Good morning. Uh, my name's John, and I'm the lead pastor, and so glad that you guys are all able to be with us this morning. Uh, so it was about six years ago, uh, six years and two months, I believe it was a September, uh, and we had just finished a, a community movie night. So we do these uh, big uh, community movie nights where we set up a big screen and everything in the middle of a park, and uh, we had gotten everything torn down, and we were hungry, and so a handful of us went over to Junior's Bar and Grill over on Madison Avenue, and we were eating wings and having a good time. And uh, my friend Brian, uh, Brian Kelly, some of you guys might know him, uh, Brian uh, was talking something about running. Uh, I don't know exactly what he was talking about, but he said something that he was a runner and he liked to do this. And so these words came out of my mouth as I was sitting there in juniors. You know, I've wanted to start running. Uh, and the key in there is the idea of like what the definition of wanted is. And so wanted means like somewhere in my like, I, I of course wanted to run, but like I had no plans of wanting to run. Uh, this was six years ago. This was, uh, you know, in my, you know, mid, late 30s, uh, two kids, uh, very much feeling the effects of a lot of pizza in college and 20s and 30s. And everyone, yeah, I would see other people, you know, the idea of wanting to run sounded nice, but like I really had no, no real plans. And so just to get us all on the same page, because maybe running doesn't like appeal to you at all, but I bet you have something that like, you would put in that gap. Uh, maybe it was something that it was a New Year's resolution. Uh, maybe it was something that just, you know, randomly on a Thursday night, you were looking in the mirror and you're like, yeah, I, I, I want to I wanna learn another language. That, that would be pretty cool. Or like, I would like to like call my grandma more or uh, I would like to start saving more money or uh, I would like to start reading more. Uh, I want to have less screen time. I want to worry less. I want to get sober. Uh, I want to start going to church more. I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more. Whatever it is, it's something that you felt like, I think I should do this, but no real plan. And so... A year goes by, multiple years go by, and it's like, yeah, nothing ever really happened to it. And that was very much the way that this conversation was probably going to go, is he was telling his interesting story about running. I would make like my little comment, like, yeah, somewhere in my like dreams, that sounds pretty fun. But this conversation didn't go that way. And so I gave my comment of, I want to start running someday. And Brian responded, okay, let's go. To which I responded, what? To which he responded, yeah, this is a Friday night, and so here's what you're going to do. Monday morning, 6.30 a.m., meet me at my house, and we will go for a run. And we did. And then he said, you know what? We should start running together three times a week. And we did. And then he said, we should find a 5K, and we should sign up for it, and we should train for a 5K together. And we did. And then he said, we should find a half marathon, and we should sign up, and we should do that together. And what started as kind of this random conversation has become this thing for the last six years, where it's become out of all the things in my life that I've said I wanted to do and nothing ever actually happened, this was something that actually gained traction. Uh, 
those uh, in AA, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, they talk about this idea that there's kind of three big pillars that make their program so effective. Uh, and so here's what they talk about. In AA, they talk about the idea that there's a goal, that there's a program, and there is a fellowship. That like what makes their thing work is that everyone has this common goal. There's, there's a plan of how we're going to actually make this happen. And then there's other people that are helping you do it. And so the way that works in AA is everyone has the same goal of that they want to get sober. Uh, AA will never work if you don't have like this intrinsic of like, you need that moment of like, I want to get sober. I want to start running. I want to whatever transformation you want to see in your life. If you don't have that goal, nothing's ever going to happen. But just having a goal doesn't really change anything. You need a plan. What's, what's the program? What, what are we going to do starting tomorrow? You know, how often am I supposed to do it? And so their program is, of course, the 12 steps. And so everyone has this common goal, and they have this common 12 steps of what they want to do. Uh, go back, front. And then they say that not only do you need a common goal and a common program, but it's this idea of fellowship. Uh, which in AA looks like the, the regular meetings that you get together. And what folks in AA say is that if you try to do the whole, if, if, if your goal is to get sober, then unless you have these other two, it's not going to happen. Uh, if you don't follow the program, and if you don't have other people that are helping you do it, you're never going to actually get to where you want to go. The, the secret sauce of the whole thing is having all three of these together, uh, which for us, I think, is incredibly relevant. Uh, today, uh, we are in a series that we started back in September, uh, and we've been looking at the first couple pages of the Bible. Uh, and the reason why we're looking at these pages of the first couple pages of the Bible, is because they talk about God's creation of the universe. Uh, and when we talk about those first couple pages of the Bible, uh, what we said is that this is not a historical, this is not a scientific kind of expose of how the world was created, that this is a statement of like the theology of here's what God's original plan for what creation was going to be. Uh, and what we have said is that when we look at God's original plan, is that God created a plan of how the world is supposed to be. Something has obviously gone wrong, which we all see in our day-to-day -day world, unfortunately, but that God has an answer. And God's answer of what he wants to do what, through the rest of the Bible, what God wants to do through Jesus as the answer, is God wants to get back to what this original plan was, that how God originally wanted the world to be, God believes that it's still possible, that it's still a, a reality that all of us can live in. And so for us to really have an idea of why the answer is such a big deal, we have to understand an idea of what the plan is. Uh, and so a little bit of review. Here was God's original plan for the universe. Uh, there you go, the next one. So God's original goal was a very good an expanding world. That when God created the world, it said he created it to be very good. Uh, and so and that word very good is, is on purpose. Uh, it's not the word perfection. That God didn't create a world that was meant to be like this static, sterile, you know, that God kind of made it like don't touch it or you'll break it. You know, it's very fragile. God created this world that it was good from the beginning, 
but it, it wasn't as expansive as what he wanted it to be. There wasn't as many people yet. There wasn't as many trees. There wasn't as many planets. Uh, there, there wasn't as much beauty. There wasn't as much structure. Then God had all these dreams of where he wanted the world to go. And so God created this world that was very good from the beginning, but the hope was that it would expand and it would get bigger and bigger and better and better and more beautiful and more beautiful and more innovative and more scientific and more just all these things just progressing. And so how was God going? That was the goal. What was the program? Uh, the program was partnership with humans. God could have just made all this happen himself, but God chose from the very beginning to work alongside humans in partnership, and he wanted to work with us in resting, working, and trusting. I, yesterday, uh, Ashley and I, uh, we've you talk, we've talked about uh, the idea of resting and delighting and Sabbath a couple weeks ago, uh, which has pushed Ashley to get uh, Ashley and I to get back in a regular rhythm of having just a day where it's just all about that, just relaxing and delighting. And so yesterday we had a Sabbath, and it was glorious. Uh, we woke up, we had pumpkin pancakes, and uh, I built magnet tiles with my son, and we went to the library and just hung out for a little while. Uh, we watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles last night, which is like very okay. Uh, and we just had this like day where there was all kinds of other events going on in the community and some things I felt like maybe we should be at. We could easily like busy ourselves with, and there's some projects around the house that we need to get done. But we just said, you know what, today is a day of just like resting. And part of God's plan of how he wants to get to this very good and expanding world is to have humans that are just taking days of just resting and delighting. Uh, and God wants to work with us to intentionally make the world into a better place. Uh, so you might be wondering what all these bags are behind us. Uh, these are bags that are teenagers packed last uh, Sunday after service. A bunch of our teenagers came together, and they packed 213, 213 bags. So each of those bags has toilet paper, has paper towels, and has tissues. And those bags will be given to an individual or to a family when they are in the process of moving from a shelter into their kind of first apartment or house or whatever kind of a more structured housing looks like for them. Then they're going to get one of those bags. And so our teens worked and partnered with God to make this world a better place by making sure that they're going to have the supplies they need. Uh, on your uh, chairs, there's our seven days of gratitude. We've done this the last couple years. Uh, and that's something that you can take as an individual or as a family. And you can do some of the seven. You can do one of the seven. Uh, we don't really care. It's just ideas. But it's a way in which you can intentionally spread some thankfulness and gratitude to the people around you. And what we believe is that God wants to expand gratitude and thankfulness in our world, and God has intentionally chosen to partner with us to be able to do that. Uh, and as we talked about a couple weeks ago, it's not just in like servicey project type things, as good as those are, but in all the other things you do, in the, the teachers in the room, when you're teaching young minds and students. Uh, for the engineers in the room, when you're creating and you're discovering new things. Uh, for the parents in the room, when you're just like helping coach your parents along. That it's all this work that God wants to partner with you to make the world into a better place. Because we are just trusting that God's way to do that. Uh, that's part of God's all plan of what he wants to do. What we want to talk about today 
is that those two things alone are not enough. That for you just to be a part of this good and expanding world and you know, walking with God and for you to really find ways to rest and to work and to trust, if you're doing it just by yourself, then that is not God's original plan. Uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, so we've been looking at Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and in Genesis chapter 1, uh, it kind of has this like poem that it's telling. It's got this kind of rhythm that it goes through. And that one of the reoccurring phrases throughout Genesis chapter 1 is this idea of it is good. So it talks about that God uh, created the dry land and he said it was good. Uh, and then it says that God uh, uh, brought forth the grass and the trees and that that was good. Uh, and then God made some more stuff. He divided the light from the darkness and that was good. Uh, and God made the beast of the earth, and God saw that it was good. Uh, and then finally, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. So it's kind of this like refrain in the reader's mind, in the writer's mind, that this thing that God is creating is very good. And so then, in Genesis chapter 2, it would have been a bit of like a record scratch. It would have been a little bit of like a, a what, when, when all of a sudden God breaks that rhythm. And this is what he says. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. In the midst of this very good creation and all these good things, God says, you know what's not good? It's not good for people to be alone. That's what I want to talk about today. And this is something that a lot of us know all too well, is that it's not good to be alone. Uh, and let me clarify, uh, by being alone, we don't mean that it's necessarily bad to like have moments where you're alone. Actually, for some of us, to have time alone is like a wonderful thing. Like we can't wait to like have some time. And I get that. Uh, One of the best moments of my day is waking up early and everyone else is still asleep and it's just, you know, me alone, quiet in my house, my coffee and my Bible. It's okay to be alone. But what he's saying is that to live life alone. To, to have no one that you're walking through this world with. Uh, and what we all know is that it's, it's like all too possible. Uh, just thinking through like the last couple weeks uh, of my life. Uh, there was a guy I was talking to. Uh, we actually went to go pick something up uh, from their house from Facebook Marketplace because they were in the process of moving. And so I was talking to them. I was like, hey, I, I, how's it going moving? And you just, I mean, they were just, it was couple and they were just exhausted because they've been going through this process of like the last couple days weeks you know however long it was of moving and I was like what like do you have like family do you have friends like like who's helping you move and like well we don't we don't have anybody that will like help us like move we've been doing this all by ourselves, and it's it's not good to move by yourself Uh, I was talking to uh, someone else a couple weeks ago and they were letting me know uh, about this, like, really kind of traumatic thing that's been going on in their family. And because of this traumatic thing, they've had to make some really serious uh, decisions about, like, what this future relationship is going to look like. And they're kind of reporting it to me, like, here's everything that has happened. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I, like, does anyone else, like, know about this? Like, how have you been, like, going and, like, making this, like, huge decision and going through this? And they said, what? Well, 
nobody knows. Like, I can't, I can't let, like, the people who work, I can't let the people who are not, like, no one else can know about this. Like, and you need to, like, be quiet about it. Like, I've been going through this, like, incredibly traumatic thing, and I've been doing it all alone. And it's not good to go through anything, especially traumatic things, alone. Uh, or I was talking uh, to uh, someone else, just kind of out uh, walking and kind of a little pickup conversation. And uh, they let me know, like, hey, actually, uh, this weekend is my birthday. I was like, ah, it's your birthday. Like, that's so cool. Like, what do you got going on for your birthday? Nothing. And no one should have to, like, celebrate their birthday alone. But what we all know is that it's all in our city, all in our world, there's all kinds of people that are living so many of their moments of their life all alone. Uh, back at the beginning of this year, uh, the Surgeon General uh, put out a report. Uh, some of you might have seen this. Uh, and in the report, he said that we have an epidemic of loneliness and isolation uh, that partly spawned on by COVID, but even before uh, the pandemic happened, that there was so many, more and more of our civilization, of our country, of our is living their lives alone. And what it says in the study is it's not that we're not living around other people, uh, that many of us are, we go to work and we're surrounded by people, but surrounded by all those coworkers, we still kind of feel alone. Uh, and even maybe we're surrounded by people in our family, maybe we're in a partnership or a marriage, uh, maybe we're involved in a church or a part of a community group, and then it's possible to feel like that we're around other people, but yet we have this feeling deep down that we are living our life alone. And God's original plan for creation is that it's not good for anybody to live alone. Uh, and so uh, God has a plan of what he wants to do with this. Uh, so it goes on, it says, the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And so God's not going to, if it's not good for man to be alone, God's plan is he wants this world to get better and expand. And so what's God going to do? So he says, I will make a helper suitable for him. And we'll talk more about uh, the idea of helper uh, in a second. Uh, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So he has this job. He's gonna, all these animals are coming up, and he's naming all them, which is kind of cool. And so the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So it's kind of like this like interesting experiment that God's doing here. If he's having all these animals and Adam's supposed to name them, but he's not just naming the animals. Like he at some level is like looking for like a partner. He's looking for something to make him not be alone. Uh, Growing up uh, in church, uh, we would often talk, some of you might have heard this language before, this idea of, of a God-shaped hole. Uh, and the idea was that all of us have like a hole in our lives that only God can fit. And we can try to put all kinds of other things in our life, but like really God's the only thing that can make that fit. Uh, and part of what I think God's trying to do here with Adam is saying, not only do you have like a God-shaped hole, you have like a don't-be-alone hole. Uh, you have a you-need-a-helper hole. And you can look, for all, look at all these different animals and try to fill it with one of them, but it's not going to really work. And some of us have kind of like lived through that. And I don't want to like get anybody like too upset. Uh, but because like 
I'm all for animals. I love animals. I love pets. Uh, we, have a, we have a turtle, a cat, and a dog. Uh, the turtle and the cat can do their own thing. But my dog, I, I love my dog. But here's, and at the pandemic, like lots of people like were adopting pets. I'm like, I, I, I love it. It's all about having a pet. But here's what some of us know, is that while having a pet is like a really wonderful thing, it doesn't quite like fill that hole in our life. Like we need like something more. And there's lots of things that we try to like fill that like void in our life so we don't feel so alone. Maybe we try to fill it with work. Maybe we try to fill it with like social media. Maybe we try to fill it with like too much TV or too much drinking or we try to like find something else. And what we find is like in all of these different things that like while they might like kind of do the trick for like a second, like maybe help us get through the night, kind of numb the pain, then in the end like they don't really, they're not the suitable helper that we're really looking for. Uh, and so God uh, kept going. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Then the man said, ah, now this is now bone of my bones. All, none of this... Uh, other things that I've been looking at possibly had the ability to fill that deep loneliness in my life. But this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Uh, and so, obviously, a huge part of this text has to do with the relationship of marriage, and that's one huge way that you could take this text, which is important, and we've talked about that before. But almost all Bible scholars agree that another part of how we understand this text is that God wasn't just creating a helper in the form of, like, who's going to be your spouse or who's going to be your partner, but that this is about a life that we're supposed to live with each other, that the idea that we're not supposed to live life alone, and that if we're going to reach God's original plan, then we need other people. Uh, that if we're going to have God's original plan, then we need to, of course, understand that God wants this world to get better. And we need to understand that God wants us to be a part of it. But there needs to be something deep inside of us that realizes, I can't do this alone. Uh, I can say I want to start regularly resting and having a Sabbath, and I want to start delighting more in this world. But what some of us know is that if we try to do that all alone, we're not going to get very far. It's not going to last. Uh, that we can say we want to start like really working, we want to start being a part of good things, and we want to start seeing even the, the work we do uh, for our jobs or whatever else, that we want to see that with more meaning. And, and that's good. But if we're trying to do it all alone, it's not going to work. And if we're trying to really try to trust God every single day, and we try to do that alone, that what we need is helpers. Uh, and God has an answer. He created helpers. Uh, and so we talk uh, about this a lot. If you've been around Christ Church Albany, uh, the idea that we believe the church is not a building, we believe it's not an organization, we believe it's not a service, we believe it is a group of people. And so what we want to be is we want to be a group 
of helpers. Uh, we don't want to be a group of people who just randomly show up in the same room and we happen to all sing songs together and then we go on our merry way. But we want to be a group of people who are actually helping each other live the way that God has asked us to live. Uh, and that doesn't just happen. Just showing up to a Sunday morning service doesn't automatically create us into deep relationships. Uh, and for that matter, just being a part of a community group doesn't just make you a part of deep relationships. Uh, and so uh, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion now, a little bit of a dialogue about what that might look like for us to actually move from just like being around other people to actually being in deep relationship with people. And so we have two main environments that we try to create relationship. One is this Sunday morning service, which has a certain ability to be able to bring people together. And then we have our community groups. Uh, and I want to talk particularly about community groups for a second. Uh, so this is uh, one of the community groups that uh, I'm a part of. Aren't we just good-looking. We're a good-looking group there. Uh, so uh, that is a group uh, that we meet uh, usually every other Sunday or so. This summer, uh, we're meeting at houses. That's in Hannah's backyard there. So thanks for having us in your backyard there, Hannah. Uh, and we've been coming together for about a year now of all getting to know each other. Uh, and so as you think about this group of people, or you can think about your own group of people, like us coming together in Hannah's backyard is very nice, and we like had some nice food, and it was an enjoyable thing. But just us coming together doesn't automatically like create these like super deep, helpful relationships. If we're going to actually move forward into the kind of like relationships that God was planning in Genesis 2 there, of like this is going to be my helper through life, we're going to need some extra steps. Uh, and so a uh, little bit of interaction here. What are some of the things that we would need to do for this group if we're going to actually move from just being nice people in a picture together in a backyard eating together? If we're going to be a group of people who are actually instrumental in each other's lives, what are some of the things that we're going to do? And a little bit of a disclaimer here. Um, I have at least four answers that I'm hoping you say. Uh, and I have slides for those. If you say other things, though, that's fine. And that could be a, a really, like, helpful thing, too. Uh, so, first, uh, what's something that this group would need to do if we were going to actually grow closer together? Someone shout something out, or multiple people can shout something out. Challenge each other. Ah, oh, that is good. Um, which one do I want to go to for that? Um, let's go to the first one of, like, team, uh, I, I think. All right, so helpers team. It's the idea that when we get together, we're going to have to actually really try to, like, push each other. And so uh, at this point, I want to try to define a little bit of this idea of helper, um, because it had talked about that God wants to create a helper for us. And in different Christian tradition, maybe this has been some of yours, uh, that has been used in a way to say, okay, so God created the man, and obviously the man is the most important in creation. And so he's going to create now a helper, which is going to be a woman, and then the woman's going to, like, help the man by getting his laundry done and making sure, like, you know, the food's ready and all that kind of stuff. Good news, uh, that's not, uh, or maybe bad news for some people, I don't know. Uh, but that's not uh, what it intended. So uh, this is from uh, uh, commentaries. So the, the book talks about different scripture uh, by a guy named John uh, Golden Gay. And here's what he says about this. He says, it has been common 
to infer that this partner was to be subject to him. So God created this other thing, and it's like, now I get to have someone like boss around and tell me, get my stuff for me. No. Uh, This conclusion is not particularly logical when you think about the wording, uh, the language that it uses here. And a counter to it is we note that the person most often described as a help, so if you were to look at the Hebrew word of what helper means, then that word is used all throughout the rest of the Old Testament, and it's used in Scripture as God. And so when it's talking about someone that is a helper, who it's often talking about is God. God is our helper. And so God's creating kind of like another version of himself, talk about that in a second, to be able to help them. Your helper is the strong one who is capable of getting you out of a mess. And so part of, yeah, for us to grow together as a group is we need to see each other as, this isn't just like a group of people. This is, this is someone who can help me. This is someone who is made in the image of God. And they're going to kind of play a role of God in my life to be able to help me go the way I want to go. Uh, And in case that doesn't sound like too much heresy, I bet every one of us have experienced that to some level before, where you have had someone in your life who by what they said, by what they did, you just had this feeling that it's like God was working through that person. That, that God, they were allowing themselves to, as the image bearer of God, to be, help, to be a part of what God was doing, working, partnering in the world. And that just helped so, so much. Uh, Golden Gay uh, goes on. It says, being a help uh, does not imply being subordinate, but more literally, it suggests someone who is in front of you or in sight of you or opposite you. If anything, it points to the complementary of a woman and the man, that these are supposed to like help each other. As in Genesis 1, it is not a complementary that makes one subject to the other. We'll talk about that more in a second. Uh, neither has authority over the other, neither is inherently the leader or the led. The image puts concretely the point made in Genesis 1 that it is men and women together who comprise the representation of God in the world. Uh, And just to recalibrate, in case you forgot what it said in Genesis chapter 1, what he's referring to here in Genesis chapter 1, it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, and that together we are supposed to subdue and rule over the world. It's this idea that, like, God made other people around us to be the image of God in, in our world, and that God uses the people around us. Uh, and that means that when you look at the group around you, that every single one of them is truly made in the image of of God, and they have the ability to almost like speak on God's behalf into your life. And so if you think about my group or think about your group, every single one of them has the ability to be able to do something incredibly supernatural in my life. And if we keep meeting for long enough, there will be times where maybe I'm a little bit stronger and I have something to say and like I'll be able to help them. And there will be times when they are stronger, and I really need them. And we need this constant back and forth where we are really challenging each other to get better together. Um, Good. That's kind of what I'm going to go with that. Uh, Well, what's another thing that we need to do if we're going to grow together as a group? Be honest and vulnerable. You guys are so good, or I'm a good guesser. So uh, honest and vulnerable uh, is the next one in there. 
openness is how I called it. Yeah, thanks for translating for me. Uh, yeah, that we need to be, and so in the text there, it says the idea of that they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And so different people talk about uh, these texts of like, all right, is this like, it's talking about the creation, all this kind of stuff. Is this literal or is this metaphorical? And so when we're talking about um, being naked and not ashamed, uh, for the purpose of talking about our groups, we're going to talk about metaphorical, okay? Uh, we're not going to talk about being literally, uh, if we're doing a marriage talk, it might be a little bit different. Uh, but what we're talking about for this is that there needs to be an idea that when you are meeting with a group of people, that you are being real and honest and raw. Uh, here's a couple of the questions that we regularly encourage uh, us to ask. Is do you have someone who knows the real you? And you need someone who knows the real you, not just the real that you present to everybody else. But is there someone who regularly prays for you? And I think that's like such like a huge question. Like, is there someone who like knows enough about you that you know that like I bet a couple times a week I bet they're praying for me because they know what to pray for. Do you have someone who celebrates with you? Do you have someone who knows about your birthday, knows about the little things in life, the big things in life? Does this person frequently encourage and challenge you? Do they know enough where they can push a little bit on the things that you really need to do? Do you have someone that you can share your questions and doubts with? Uh, and I think you could sum it all up by saying, do you have someone who is helping you flourish? And do you have someone who you are helping them flourish? And all of those things are things that it takes some work to be able to get to that point of actually, if someone's going to really pray for me, then I might need to ask somebody to pray for me. I might need to share something a little bit deeper. Uh, I have a, a friend from college, uh, his name's Nick, and uh, he does this like huge deal for his birthday every year. And he like, he gives us like a countdown. It's like a month before. He's like, my birthday's coming, my birthday's coming. And it's like a little bit obnoxious, but we love him. And uh, he tells a story of the reason why he does that is because there was a time in college, uh, his, his birthday is over Christmas break. And so everyone had left college and he was sitting in his dorm by himself. And he was sitting there all alone in his dorm room on his birthday and nobody remembered his birthday. And then he had this realization I didn't tell anybody it was my birthday. Uh, I didn't invite anybody to do anything. And so part of for us to be able to have these kind of relationships is we have to invite other people into our space. Uh, and this is something that doesn't happen uh, automatically. Uh, that group uh, that I showed the picture of, uh, we've been meeting for uh, over uh, a year now. And like we've shared some stuff going on in our lives, but there's a lot that we haven't shared yet because it takes time. It's like this little bit of like showing a little bit more, trusting a little bit more. Uh, it, it's this process of being able to share together. Um, there's a, uh, another uh, relationship that I get together with on a regular basis. I think he's sitting up there in the balcony, actually. Hey, Jason. Uh, uh, so uh, Jason and I, uh, we get together uh, every other Friday uh, for breakfast together. It's 6 in the morning. It's great. We love it. And uh, we've actually been friends for a long time, and we've done vacations together. We've done a lot of things. Um, but one of the things that kind of we've realized is that as much as we've spent time around each other, like, to go to that, like, next level of vulnerability is, like, a really scary thing. Like, that doesn't just automatically happen. And we were talking about that a little bit the last time we were doing uh, breakfast. And, like, you know, how do you get to that point? Like, what we kind of both agreed to is that it happens by just, like, if we just, like, keep meeting together, 
keep sharing little bits and pieces, and just the more that we have proximity around each other, that when the little things of life happen and when the big things happen, then we'll have a space and a time to be able to share that. Uh, and for those of you who are in a group, I just encourage you, like, be that person who's going to take that little extra risk to, like, share a little bit more, share a little bit deeper. Um, all right, uh, what else do you think uh, we might need to do if we're going to go to that next level? I have two more in my mind. See if you guys can guess two already, so you can guess the other two. Do a service project. Yeah, I think that fits. Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, so... Well, yeah, so I think part of what we need to do is we need to be on the idea of mission. So you can go to the mission one, is that this can't, there's all kinds of different groups that can get together. And so there's all kinds of friends that hang out and, you know, and get together and, you know, they're going to have a drink together. And there's all kinds of, you know, different friend groups in the world. But what we're talking about is kind of a different level of friendship, is that we're a group of people who are coming together around this big, common purpose. Uh, and so this is from um, uh, Aaron Nyquist. Uh, Aaron is a, a pastor. Uh, he led a retreat here last year, and he's talking about the idea of community groups uh, and small groups. And here's what he says. He says, here's what I mean. A small group often has to do with only belonging or learning. And so he said, what can be common in a group is that there's a lot of emphasis on vulnerability and knowing each other. So you can be very open in a group and really know each other, and that's helpful. Or a community group can be all about learning and wanting to know more information. And both those things can be good, but he's going to say that shouldn't be the only thing. So we desire either a place to be known or a place to study the scriptures. Both of these desires are good and needed. The problem is, is I don't believe that either desire should be the goal of a community. And here's what he says the goal should be. So the goal should be learning to swim with Christ for the sake of the world, which is a great phrase. That's this idea that God's created this world to get better and better and better, that God's going somewhere in this world, and that we can jump in that river uh, with him. And this involves putting Jesus' words into practice, not merely belonging to a group where we talk about them. The goal should be obeying Jesus' words, not simply studying them. Uh, and yeah, that's going to make such a huge impact when you're getting together. So we're a group of people that are intentionally trying to go somewhere. It goes back to the uh, AA thing that we talked about uh, at the beginning, is that there's, we, we have this common goal that we want to see the world get better. And we together want to partner with God. And so we want to know what God has to say through the Bible, and we want to be close, but like it has to be all of these together. All right. I have one more, but maybe you guys have some more. Well, what's something else that uh, really is needed if a community, if a group is going to move forward? What? Time to get, man, you guys are so good. Way to go, Claire. Yeah, it, you need time. Uh, and so now at this point, I am going to read a quote uh, that if you've been around Christchurch Albany for the last couple months, especially if you've been around the last couple years, you have heard this quote before. I love this quote. I think it is so true, and I think it's so convicting, and I think it cuts to why 
relationships are so hard for us to actually build. Why so many of us live at that level of, like, I wanted to start running, where it's like, I want to have relationships like that, but why it's so hard to actually make them work. Uh, This is from uh, John Ortberg. He says, the requirement for true intimacy is chunks of unhurried time. If you think you can fit deep community into the cracks of an overloaded schedule, think again. Wise people do not try to microwave relationships, parenting or marriage. You cannot do community in a hurry. You can't listen in a hurry. You can't mourn in a hurry with those who mourn or rejoice in a hurry with those who rejoice. Many people lack great friends for the simple reason that they have never made pursuing community a high priority. And for some of us, that's the story, is that to build deep relationships, it just, it's just hard and it takes time. Uh, sometimes it's, you, you make the big commitment, like, I'm going to come to a group, and the first couple times you get together, it can be a little bit awkward, it can be a little bit weird, you don't even really know all these people, and just to make friends isn't just like making time on your calendar once or twice. It's like making time on your calendar for years of like, I'm just going to commit and just go through all the process of actually getting to know someone. Building deep community might mean you need to rework some of your schedule. It might mean you need to say no to some things that are going on in your life. It's just so important to make relationships a part of just the, the sacrifice that we are doing in our life. Uh, But here's what I believe, is that if we were to like take that plunge, if we were going to really get on mission with a group of people, if we were going to take time with a group of people, if we were going to really be vulnerable with a group of people, we would see that it is it's not good to be alone. It's better to be with a group of people. Uh, So, Lastly, uh, as we close today, uh, I'm going to ask us to pray together and uh, talking about openness and vulnerability. This is going to be, I I think, cool, but it might be a little bit weird, uh, but I believe in us, okay? Uh, So as we uh, do uh, this prayer, I would like us to, uh, we're going to form a a big circle, and we're all going to hold hands. Like, what did I just get into? Uh, And uh, and I want to pray together. So if you would, if you indulge me, everyone stand up, and we're going to form a big circle uh, all around this room. Yeah, so some people are going to have to move around here and close up. This is the first time we've ever done this. Gina wants me to let you know. We're not going to do this every week. We're not going to make everyone go around and share things. But I do want you to look around this room. God created a very good world that he wants to get better and better and better. And God wants to partner with you. He wants to partner you with resting in delight. He wants you to trust him. And God has work that he wants you to do. But it is not good to be alone. Josh, get in here. Come on. Yeah, Josh, there you go. Trying to sneak away. It's not good to be alone. 
And I, I'm not looking at anyone in particular because I don't know all of your ins and outs. Some of you I know are in fantastic relationships. Way to go. But some of us are living our lives way too alone. And God has created helpers who want to help you go through this journey. And it's not going to be easy. It's not a snap your fingers, you just come to a service, you join a small group and it happens. It takes time and commitment. It takes intentionally being on mission together, challenging each other. But it can happen. Uh, and so, uh, let's say this first prayer. We're going to do two prayers. Uh, first prayer is this. What is God maybe calling you to be able to take a step towards God's plan to not be as alone in life anymore? Uh, is God calling you to maybe join a group? Is God calling you to be more involved in your group? Is God calling you next time you're in your group to actually share something a little bit more of what's going on in your life? Is God calling you to maybe after service today go to someone that you see in the circle that you don't know as well and say, I, I don't actually even know your name. What's your name? <laughs> uh, hey, I, what are you doing this week? Would you like to get together for coffee? Would you like to get together? What could you do? And so uh, let's take a moment and let's just pray uh, on our own. What is God calling you to do today to take a step forward to God's big plan to not live life alone? God, I pray that you give us the courage to take that step and to not just do it today, but to build up a resilience that we just keep working to build the kind of relationships that you ask us to build. Amen. All right, next, we're going to spin around, still holding hands, and we're going to stand facing this way. And now, not looking at the circle and our other church family, outside of the walls in which we look is a whole city and community. And there's some of the folks out there that we know pretty well. Or maybe we just know of them. I, and there's some folks that are living their lives pretty alone. Maybe it's a neighbor that we don't ever see anyone else pulling in their driveway Maybe it's another uh, student or kid at school. Um, maybe it's someone that we work with. And we just know they are living their lives way too alone. And I believe that God has put us as individuals and as a church family in this city and in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our offices for a reason. And part of it is that we're supposed to bring flourishing to the world around us, which includes that we are supposed to be eliminators of loneliness. And so let's take a moment and let's pray and let's think about who is it outside of these walls that maybe God is putting on our hearts and how does God want to use us to help eliminate some loneliness out of their life?
God, help us to be agents of your flourishing. Help us to be people of hospitality, inviting people into our homes, inviting people for lunches and dinners and coffees, inviting people for walks, having space in our lives to not just hurry on, but to actually take time to listen. Help us to love the people in our lives and help eliminate loneliness. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. You can go back.